Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of Steve Schmidt. Now, check this, ladies and gents. When Steve left Brandon Valley High School in 1995, he decided to head on down to South Dakota State University and major in speech, communications, and theater. But instead of deciding on a career in Broadway, he said, you know what? I'm going to conquer a different stage. The world of B2B sales. So from working at companies like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, Steve had a rare seat. And actually being able to witness the change in what consumers buy and how they buy it as a technology revolution began to unfold. Fast forward to the pandemic and Steve had taken his decades worth of experience in sales to the consulting world and began working with a company in China selling PPE equipment to major medical centers in little to no time he'd help them land a contract at every major hospital people and the rest is basically history now the cool thing about steve's story is he hit this moment where he said instead of building somebody else's company you know what i'm gonna go out there and build my own and it felt like the stars were aligned he was recovering from alcoholism a dependence on an anti-anxiety drug and the sobriety began to unlock parts of his brain he didn't know existed and from this or title was born but more importantly people steve's a father today he's a husband and with his company title he's on a mission to help mid-stage companies develop predictable revenue through their human-centric sales development approach. And today I pinned him down to talk about one thing and one thing only, man. How do you use storytelling as an SDR to book more meetings? Steve, welcome to the show, man. What's happening? Well, it's, it's, just, it's done just like that. So thank you for having me, right? You did the setup, you get the overview, why it matters to them, why they should listen, what they may gain out of this. And, you know, that's interesting, right? Because the storytelling art is, is whether it's done through communicating on introductions or in the theater, I believe over text, print or film or whatever, I believe we are always as humans. And that's why it's a human centric thing is we have to feel right in order to want to interact. We have to want to feel a certain way. As the kids say, I'm feeling a certain way. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But man, I was feeling a certain way when I was reading your story and trying to piece together the monster that you've created with Tidal and how every single moment in your life secretly was leading you to this point. But it got me to think about two things. The first thing was, and I told you this in the green room, as we call it, I was like, man, you're a father, you're a husband, mm -hmm. and you've got this busy startup. Now, I reckon there's a lot of people listening to this who are like, man, how does he do it? So what's one of your tips, something that you do well when it comes to being able to be present with the family and also grow your company simultaneously? Yeah, I was terrible at it at first. I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> There's no pre-course pre to entrepreneurship or when you're a CEO, you don't have to take this course on like, here's how you be a good father and a good husband and a good friend. You just dive in just like anything else in life, like marriage, right? You're like, hey, let's get married. Courses are optional, right? And so yeah, you launch yeah. this thing and it's, it's all encompassing. You realize that to a large degree, it is a thing that you now love. 
It is a thing that you're consumed with. So now you're balancing this, this love for this obsession almost with this, this thing. Cause when you, when you're a founder, likely it would be weird if you're not, it's something you're extremely passionate about. Right. So you're diving all in and year two, I really realized that for me by waking up at three 30 in the morning, I had three hours at a minimum to myself where I could set my day up. So I could still be done by five 30. Now there's still a break there, right? So two or three days a week, I can take the little one to school my wife works. She's a busy executive. So like that balance allows me to be present from, let's say, 830 until 530 for the team. So I can get me done, get my communication to prospects or partners or, you know, a lot of content is done, believe it or not, at four in the morning. Like most of our hard hitting content is filmed at four in the morning. But that's where the day set up. So the rest of it, we can execute. We can interact. And that's my little hack. And then I can at 530 and beyond, like I can come home and try to unwind for, you know, a two or three hour stretch with the family. I can always be better at it, but I'm a hell of a lot better than I was a year and a half or two ago. That's for sure. And the funniest thing about this for those listening is there's one thousand percent truth in this because the other day i messaged him at probably what midday uk time and i was like oh man when he wakes up you know he'll get a chance to book a slot and within literally 30 seconds he was like book man see you on monday for the podcast i was like damn this guy is up he's out there doing it so yeah he's telling the truth there people now you said something there about communicating with prospects and when I was looking at your background and stumbled upon the fact that you did speech communications and theater, I loved it. And it got me to think about this following question for you, which is what is one thing that you learned from that degree in your time on stages that you still use today? It's the art of the pause. I think that a lot of people in acting, like the thing that you learn is to give the audience a chance to react. Because the show is for them, you know, as actors, we tend to make it self-serving, right? As playwrights, it's self-serving. You want to gauge the audience's reaction. You look at every feeling and every pin drop and you go, oh, that went exactly as planned or, oh, shit, that's exactly not what I planned, but that's beautiful. And I view this as much the same. It's like, you know, film, for example, right? They try to advertise the right target audience to get them to go there. But let's admit, like film commercials... They used to come on every channel, right? Like, oh, big film. And, and then therefore, if you're, if it's a hit, a lot of people like it for a lot of different reasons. It doesn't have to have this narrow ICP that says you specifically will like this film if you are between the ages of 30 and 42, a white male in the US, right? It's just like, hey, it's just a good movie. And so I believe if a product just has a good message, you need to bring it out to the masses, right? And that's a story. And that narrative becomes more personal as they begin the journey with that product from curiosity to interaction to show me more. And I love that because the story changes every, every, every interaction, especially because we do it on the phone, right? It's like this. If all I do is talk on this, like and there's no interaction, you're really having a limited conversation because you're hearing me just go blah, 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 blah. But you can't talk back to me and say, well, Steve, what about this? Like you and I can, right? But if you're a listener, you have to like take notes and that's why you listen to two or three minutes and probably stop listening because you got a little bit out of it or you didn't and you move on with your day. I view conversations the same. If you're a prospect and I get a hold of you, I'd better damn well be interesting in the limited time I have, right? Because we don't have a lot of those conversations, maybe two or three all day that I can get you to say, yeah, I'd like to learn more. Two or three chances all day. It's funny you say that because it 
kind of, well, it segues beautifully into what we're here to talk about today, which is a post of yours that I saw on LinkedIn from about a month ago. And you talked about strategic mm-hmm. storytelling there. And it was something yeah. that you were experiencing internally. And I thought this was dope. So for those listening in right now, about a month ago, Steve put out a post on LinkedIn where he spoke about a sales rep of his who had booked zero meetings in three weeks, but within five hours worth of coaching, he was able to turn it around and this rep booked two meetings in two days. Now, Steve gave this really simple framework, which was problem, proof, and persuade. The three Ps, right? The three Ps. And today, what I wanted to do with Steve was unlock how he coached this rep to use storytelling and effective communication in each of those three stages to ultimately book more meetings. But man, let's take it back for a second. Mm -hmm. When it comes to storytelling in the world of sales right now, the number one thing that I hear all the time when I'm training teams on it is SDRs. uh, I'm not sure if they need it. Let's, let's do it for that AEs. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, but why even, even a lot of the time I'm like, tell me more about that. Like, how did you come across that thought process? So why do you think there's this idea that SDRs, they don't need to use, utilize storytelling? Well, I think it's because there's a fear of the creative side in B2B in general, right? We want to latch onto dashboards because it's easy because we look at data and then we go, oh, I'm looking at something so I can talk about it, right? God forbid, I can't really tell you what to do with it, but I can at least say, hey, you need to do more of this to hit this thing. And with storytelling, it's hard to teach it. That which we don't know, we fear. And I feel as teachers who enable people who go to a script I can make a story out of a script. That's what we did in playwriting, right? You do that. Now the actor or the actress then gives their interpretation of it, right? And that's why you'd hear these stories like, oh my God, Tony Award winning actor. But then the other person who did it in the local play in some middle of nowhere, Kansas, like they're terrible at it, but it's the exact same script. I said, ah, we're not focusing on the actual delivery because nobody knows how to coach that because we're not hiring people to coach that. We're hiring people to manage dashboards. Well, I can manage a dashboard a lot better and more favorably if I have better conversations, right? Because I have better outcomes. I always peel it back and go, okay, so manage the dashboard. Great. I love them too. But if the real problem here or the opportunity is we can teach people how to have more interactive conversations that feel better, that evoke more storytelling, which evokes more emotion and feeling, we can have a transformation in sales that doesn't involve any tools other than us. And that's the hardest part right? Because we can't just subscribe to it. We have to work Mm. on it. And that's where people go, yes, well, there's a workshop. I'll send them John Barrows, maybe uh, Josh Braun. I don't know. You guys fix it, bring them back to me, heal them up because that would be nice. But in the meantime, I need two appointments from each of you today. Go get them. That kind of thing. It's like like anything, man. And we speak about like you've got all this gym equipment behind you and like we were saying beforehand it was like you got to do the reps man like you got to do the reps like with anything and i feel like with storytelling people go you know what whack them in a one-day workshop two-day workshop and boom yeah that was cool let's just do a tick-off exercise versus really listening to these moments on gong calls or whatever it might be so that takes us beautifully into the first part of your framework man which is the Mm -hmm. problem now from a communication standpoint what was Mm -hmm. your sales reps cold call opener like and why wasn't it working and by the way for context for those listening we're specifically mm-hmm. talking about outbound here so that's right from communication standpoint what mm-hmm. was the transformation like what was it like originally what did you change mm-hmm. it to why wasn't it working it was not working well first off we go specifically for a problem so there's pain right pain is associated with a problem 
pain is something that is somewhat obvious. Problems are harder to identify sometimes. What we do is we go directly for the problem. So when we have a conversation, it would go something like this. Um, if I'm calling you for title, right? I would say, ring, ring, ring. Hi, is Robbie there? Yeah, this is Rav. Hi, Rav. Steve Schmidt. I'm calling for a specific reason today. And since I got a little window of time here, I work with uh, revenue leaders who need a strategic narrative within their reps and the ability to do storytelling. And it's something that doesn't make the dashboard or KPIs, but I'm assuming it's something that's come up in your meetings on uh, some of your initiatives as, as you've returned more to the phone is improving your reps ability to do that. Am I right, wrong, or am I totally off here? I'd say, ooh, wee. Man, you're right. <laughs> that was a good opener. I like that. So let's dissect that for a sec. Steve, let's dissect sure. that for a sec, if you don't mind. Sure. Is you didn't slap me with a story straight away. You used mm -hmm. an effective hook, which really mm -hmm. piqued my curiosity, which earned you the opportunity to share a story now. So could you tell us a little bit about how you structured it and why in that way? So I could just go right for the problem and it wouldn't make a lot of sense to you because if I just said, hi, Rob, this is Steve Schmidt. I work with people who need better storytelling structure within their frameworks to have better yeah. outcomes, you'd say, eh, sounds like a gamification tool. Not interested. Yeah. Yeah. But if I said, Hey, you know, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, but right, you, as a sales leader, you've heard about this thing called the telephone the last year and a half and the, the quote unquote <laughs> revival of it. And so if I, I kind of make that intro and kind of laugh about it, right. I'm assuming like they're struggling with it too. Right. Cause nobody's like nailed this thing called the phone. They're all hiring consultants to do it, right? They all want to get better, but it opens it up to say, listen, I get it. We know that your reps can always be better at storytelling. Everybody has an opportunity to do it. And so if that's what I'm trying to discuss with you, I better damn well have a good story about why I called you in the first place, mm. why it would matter to you specifically, right? Why your story is something worth telling. And then that that interaction from that initial story gets really interesting because you can go baseline, right? Our kids are wonderful storytellers. They lie to us all the time. You can even make it up, but within the boundaries of not lying, you, know, you cannot lie, but you can paint some color around it, evoke some emotion. I really want to go outside. My son yesterday, dad, I really want to go outside. I really want to throw water balloons. I said, we already threw like 10 water balloons. We're going to come inside dad, but I really want to, I really want to, the grass needs more water. And so when I throw the water balloons, then we don't need to turn the sprinkler on later. And I'm like, listen, he's painting the story because he's trying to get what he wants out of it. He just forgot mm. to decide what's in it for me because right, he's too young. Right. You know? And that's what everybody so, forgets, right? What's in it for the other person? With him, with him, with him, with him. What's in it for me? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So that was cool. So I then, from that magnetic message, I'm like, oh, actually, yes, I admit to you that I'm struggling with this specific pain. Right. Then once I've admitted to that, what next? What happens mm -hmm. after that? So you brought up earlier, you know, recovering from addictions. So something that in the program that I come from, they usually say when you go to your first meeting, yeah, everybody talks. And then the 10th meeting, everybody talks again. And, and eventually they say, hey, you're a vet. Like, don't go on and on. Just say like what it was like, what it's like now and what it could be like in the future, right? So mm. my life was like this, here's what it's like now, and here's what it's like that it could be in the future. Because you have to mm. simplify it. And so the people who are new in the room, right, who are newly in this thing going, oh my God, what happened to my life? I'm with all these strangers drinking shitty coffee in a tin house in the middle of nowhere. Like they have to be able to relate to it and be able to insert themselves in there and get something out of what you say so they can go, I connect with that. Now this resonates with me. And then they're invested, right? 
and then they give the program more, therefore making the program better to give to other people. Da da da. So it's like a, it's one of those things that in a story, if you can say like, hey, this is probably what it's like right now, which is what I led with the problem. Like, hey, you're probably experiencing this thing, and you're like, yeah, man. And I'm like, well, yeah. If you're like this, if you're like Neil up in Canada, he went through a workshop with his reps. They finally were able to use the conversational intelligence tool they invested all this money into and never could actually find a reason to to measure it. Found some commonalities and really good storytellers over like six months. Their reps got really, really good at storytelling. Their discovery sessions went really, really good. And their demos were better because the stories got the right customers because they could see themselves using this in a way that was meaningful to them. Their conversion rates went way up, man. I think you'd like it. See, what's fascinating there, and for those listening, is that Steve didn't say, oh, we helped this company in Canada. He said, Neil from Canada. So you introduced that identifiable main character, and I love that. Could you talk to us a little bit about that, why you do that, versus say, hey, we helped Microsoft in Canada. Why did you personalize it in that way? Yeah, nobody gives a shit about Microsoft. Like, they are not Microsoft. They're Neil. Like, how are they Neil? Neil is a person who had this problem Neil did this. Therefore, Neil is now feeling this way. Oh, Mm. I'm like Neil. I could be like Neil. That's how we as humans, like think about instincts. Let's go a little bit back, right? So this is me this weekend, like really peeling the relaxation layer back. I watch animal shows and I watch animal shows because they are insane. The things they know how to do and how they do them, right? Like some animals are born, birthed, and within a minute later, they're walking. They're walking through a river within 20 minutes. Like what? Like how, like we are already taught how to feel and act. Why not use and take that to our advantage and follow those patterns of instinct that says, when this happens, I do this. Now I do this. That's why dramas are a thing, right? Like rom-coms, like they know how to go, oh man, this scene's going to make everybody go, oh, I could see myself being that person. I'll watch this movie again because I want to feel that way again and again and again. And that's why the actress or the actor gets the award because they made so many people feel a certain way that is so different with each individual that everybody said, I, enough people's way was a certain way that we nominate you because you told the best story. Mm, mm, I love that, man. And yeah. what's interesting there for those listening, the SDRs or the AEs, whoever, even if it's full cycle sales reps listening, says right now, it's such a subtle shift that you mentioned, but it's so powerful. And I hear the opposite happening all the time. So I'm glad that you're cementing that. So you're talking about here, really, the proof point. So we've moved from the problem yeah. to the proof. Now, what I'm curious to hear about from your perspective here, Steve, is, is when you're talking about the transformation that somebody received here. So if we look at a classic story arc, you know, let's just say context, conflict, turning point, transformation. Inside of the transformation, do you feel like reps should talk about the transformation of what somebody received once they hopped on a call with an AE? Or should they be talking about a transformation that a client received of once they've partnered with them and officially bought their product? How far Mm. should they go? You brought up a really, well, depends on what you're trying to qualify, right? If you're saying, hey, Jeremy and I met and we discovered this about his ecosystem. I'm not saying he bought anything from me. I'm saying the conversation evoked this. We also uncovered this because what we found is that you have redundant tools in your tech stack that actually are multi-layered conversational intelligence. You don't need sales loft gong and or, um, right? You only need one of the three. So you can actually save some money, redirect that and apply it towards this. Ta-da! Storytelling to make your conversational intelligence investment worth it. We just saved you money, making your conversations better. Wow. Cool. 
right? And you don't even have to buy this, but like either way, you don't need those licenses. That's a story where I could say like either way, when we delve into this, you're going to get value potentially. But by the way, this is a two-way street. I also want value. I need to understand something about you. So this isn't just like, like otherwise it's not worth my time because we need to find out like something, which is that big qualifier, which is why stories are effective because they make a better meeting, right? It's not just, oh, they get more meetings. They make better meetings because they've already pictured themselves in the shoes of the person having this problem. That's why they took the call. Mm, mm. So it sounds like from what you're saying, man, it's all about how much qualification you've done to that point, but also using the story to get, have a more meaningful conversation to get more qualification done. Am I right? Yeah. Think about uh, commercials, right? They target certain geographies, demographics to get an intended result. They advertise differently in those geographies. (laughs) And so where you advertise and how you advertise is going to be the received audience that you get. And Mm. uh, we do that with content all the time. Like our, our whole brand built from LinkedIn, right? Because we were saying a message and, and paying attention to how it resonated. And when it resonated a certain way, we'd say like, oh, that seems to be effective. Apparently people want to hear more about that thing. Da, 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 da. Mm. Now you test another one and go, wow. Now, when you look at the impressions of a post, I can talk about something with a work-life balance and it might get likes and views off the hooks. Well, it's mostly engineers and UX people. Well, that's not my quote unquote target audience, meaning it's not the brand that we're going to get money off of. That's okay. Like a post the next day might be about something, something top of funnel. And all of a sudden, the number one recipients are CEOs and founders on impressions, but it has a lot less likes. We get four leads that next day. Same thing with email. Same thing with story. When I get on video and say like, da, 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 for 53 seconds, and we chop it up. We're telling stories. We're talking about this guy you heard of. So you heard a story when I told it that made you feel like this guy had Jimmy who was saying this about a problem that didn't resonate with anybody sat there for five grueling hours. It sucked, man. This guy was like losing his mind because we were sitting there going, no, that's not the problem. Doesn't matter to me. He's the way he was pitching it just to go to this call you're referencing and let's get very, um, let's just talk about the basics here. This tool was a gamification tool that he was representing. And when he was calling people, he said, hey, I work with CROs who have the same problem that a lot of them have, which is 20% of your people produce 80% of your results. And they go, okay, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, Are you selling me training? Are you selling me software? I have no idea, right? It wasn't hooking, right? So we went back and settled on like that problem statement is also storytelling because you're saying, I work with these people who have this problem and this is how we solved it, which is your proof, your storytelling. Make that damn good. Make that 20 seconds or less. Make that the punch where they go, man, I felt some impact. And now all I got to do is move to the third P, which is have a discussion with you and go back and persuade you that you admitted that you have this problem or may or likely have it. That's why you're talking to me. I told you a story where you then asked me a bunch of questions, da, da, da. And now we just got to say, hey, let's meet more and talk about that. It sounds like when you said this, there may be a potential fit. When you said this, it reminded me of this customer we had, and his name is Jeremy. It's not Microsoft. And I'm going to introduce you guys on LinkedIn so you two can have a conversation and not tell me about it to find out what it's really like. Oh, that's dark social. Oh my God, this is a whole new modern selling era. Instead of me having to give you the names of the companies, I'm going to give you five connections when I meet with you and say, by the way, if you ever want to ask about anything, the work we do, contact these five people. There you go. In case you want to ask for references, I'll give them to you on the first appointment. 
Mm, that's a huge trust accelerator. I like that. I like that. And you mentioned something inside of the problem segment of your framework. Oh, sorry, the proof. And we'll go to persuade in more depth in a second. But you mentioned that the rep was cold calling on behalf of your clients because that's obviously yeah. what your agency does. And yes, you sir. mentioned something about ensuring you're speaking to your target market. Now, I've been in mm -hmm. scenarios when I was in sales leadership and as an individual contributor where I shared the right story with the wrong client and then i blew mm -hmm. the deal because i didn't make them feel understood now right. how can how can a rep know that they're sharing the right story with the right client are there a few variables that they should know like revenue threshold like size of the company like what, what can they look mm -hmm. at to ensure they're getting the right person be self-aware enough to know is the conversation resonating and just ask them in what i saying does what i say make sense does what i say resonate Am I totally off here? Because that's okay for them to go, yeah, this is definitely not me. But the story you told reminds me of John down the hall, right? And so John, I think, because you told me such a good story, John definitely handles this. So irregardless, stories can told to also be get past gatekeepers. Stories in general are like how humans were built. <laughs> that's The Bible is a story. If you subscribe to that book, great. That's a book about stories. Every single book, and then it's fiction, nonfiction, go down a million different categorizations of it. Podcast stories, content stories, email stories. Why do meetings suck? Because they're boring stories. There's somebody else's agenda, right? We can make meetings more interactive with stories, right? And that's what I say, man, how was your week? You tell me a story. Oh, Steve, it was so busy, man. It was so awesome. I talked to this person, this person, and this person. You're really like using a 20 second window to tell me about your week. So you can like tell me a story that gives me an interaction with you. You know, it's, and I'll end with this and this rant kind of is like, we don't teach it. Nobody teaches it. It's not a metric. Nobody, when they're interviewing to be a sales manager says, tell me how you teach people to, to tell stories. They say, tell me how, to, how you overcome over objections. Well, they object because your stories suck. They object because you're pitching them. They object because you're talking about your features, advantage, benefits, not what their life could be like if it was solved, their problem, through your solution, by hearing it through the eyes and life of somebody else just like them. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. So much good stuff there. I want to unpick, actually. But you mentioned something which I hope the audience really latch onto, which is the idea of asking an open-ended question to have your prospect share a story with you and fuse a connection versus asking a binary question. Yours was, how was your week? It was very open, which people are going to share a story about something that happened. So that was super dope, man. I love that. And you also mentioned something slightly earlier on about sharing, for example, a 20 second snippet there. Now mm -hmm. that kind of leads me to saying, if you've got that or asking rather, if you've now crafted that 20 to 30 second proof point story, what mm -hmm. are some things that reps could do to actually deliver it with more impact versus, hi, Stephen, mm -hmm. uh, so we once worked with Neil from Canada. You're like, yeah, see you later, bro. I'm done because it's so dull and it's so boring and it sucks. So how can somebody share and deliver a story now that you've crafted it in a way that doesn't suck? Like this, I'll tell it two different ways, right? A lot of people want to say, we worked with Cisco and helped grow the revenue by 300%. So who gives a shit? Number one, I'm not Cisco. Number two, that's a very round number. <laughs> like how convenient, right? Okay, great. Okay, let's schedule a demo. I love Cisco. Like it doesn't work that way. But when I say like, listen, I worked with a new manager who had a big logo of Cisco. He came from smaller SaaS, so we thought a lot alike. And we applied some of like those funnel hygiene metrics that he did in SaaS. 
And we did a nice proof of concept and we showed like this can even scale in a big org like Cisco. And over time, like we made him a hero because it was like some absurd number, like 300%, like some crazy round number in their case study. But regardless, that could be you because I think like you two have a lot in common in terms of like why I, call, I reached out to you in the first place. That sounds different, right? It sounds more conversational. And also yeah. the level of believability in it is higher because... Yeah, you don't sound like a car salesman. I know, no offense to any car salespeople listening to this right now, but you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't sound like, hey, so we once helped Jeremy increase his sales for up to 300. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you're a human to human chat. Well, you begin to ask them, like, does that matter to you at all? Mm. They could be like, no, man. Like, that totally doesn't matter to me. Like, that's a great story, but I could give a shit less about him yeah. because, man, <laughs> we solved that problem two years ago. You know what? We solved it so much people pay us to solve that problem now. You're like, whoa, okay, now let's have a real conversation because these are the best when you're like just hacking away with somebody and pretty soon they're scheduling a demo with you because they get to talk about themselves. You know, then they're like, me, 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 me. And you're like, now just shut up and listen, right? Because they get to tell you stories. And why that's dope as well is the call to action inside of that story wasn't, hey, now book a discovery call with a demo with our AE. It was a question which mm-hmm. elicits a response which will help you continue that conversation so the cta was just a question versus the ask which is very subtle but once again really really mm-hmm. cool way to communicate i like it man i like you, it the best sdr i've ever met very rarely ever asked for a meeting really that's interesting you know who it was and this is going to be the weirdest thing to you because it's going to sound arrogant it was me I, when I used to prospect, someone said like, Hey man, you know, it's the weirdest thing is like, you never really ask for the meeting. Mm. You just get them to start like looking at their calendar. And I said, well, it was taught to me at a very early age. Like it was my first manager. He just said like, get them to want it so bad that they're begging you to meet with them. And I was like, that sounds absurd. (laughs) But then I, you know, you look at certain people and like, they make you feel a certain way, whether it's on TikTok and you just want, you're like, I'm going to buy this, like hit the button. Like, I need this thing. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of what you're doing. Mm. He's like, you got to be like, I'm telling you stories that are so good. You're like booking your calendar going, you know what? That might be me, Steve. Yeah, I'd be interested in learning more. You're like, okay, that's cool. What do you want to do? Do you want to talk more? Do you want to book time? Like, do you want to just go right to the reference check? And if it checks out, just buy it blind. Like, what do you need to do? Like, I could go Sandler on it and just bring a contract to that meeting and say, if what I said makes sense, I'm going to send you a contract and we're going to start right now. Do you believe that this Mm -hmm. could work for you? And you got to think Mm -hmm. about it. I go, then then if you're going to keep thinking, then you're not ready because you've been mm. thinking a lot about this. I bet you I'm not the first person you've thought about this with. I bet you're worse off than the first time I talked to you or the first person because you've been thinking too much and not acting enough. So I'm going to send this mm-hmm. to you and you're going to sign it right now and we're going to get started because the thinking's mm-hmm. over, the doing's starting. And like when you get that kind of Tony Robbins, scary, weird, like a lot of people go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like what he just said, man, I'm turning this podcast off because, or some people go, holy shit. Because all I'm doing is getting you to like shake your head and go, man, yeah, it's time. Like it's time to do something. And it doesn't matter if it's a life coach, a weight loss coach, a pastor, a church, a new job. Like when you start to see yourself in it and you can't stop seeing yourself in it, that's a transaction. What's really interesting about you, and it's, I would say, I want to acknowledge you for it, man, but it's also, I can almost guarantee it's been one of the contributing factors as to why you've been so successful is when you're communicating, there is high, high levels of conviction and confidence in who you are and also a level of comfortability in your own skin. Now, the problem though, on the flip side would be an 
SDR who's fresh out of university, who arguably doesn't have that. What is one thing that you would teach them to do to be able to communicate in a way with that level of certainty, conviction, and also charisma? Take an acting class, do anything that is outside of your comfort zone, because it, the one thing you can't do is accelerate time. Like some of it's just going to take time. Like, was I talking like this when I was 23? Hell no. But I, I was reading a little bit about it. Like we didn't, I mean, my God, I'm 44. The internet was just a thing. Like we didn't have, yeah. like you, YouTube was like barely living. No, it wasn't even there yet. So like we had to still read books. We still had to watch speakers and go pay things and go mm. to live events. And mm. so I think right now is just consume something. Like right now I can tell you like as a CEO of the last year and a half, what is my weakest point? Financial acumen. What am I doing to improve that? And a buddy of mine's advice, he said, Steve, Enroll in the Wharton 2.0 finance course online. It's going to cost you like four grand. But if that's your weakest point, you want to get better on it, invest in it. So if that's your weakest point and you want to really do this thing, don't tip your toes in the water. Go, well, it's a little too expensive. Go do it. If you don't think that ROI will be like a million, you're crazy. Go get better at it. Acting classes, online, Zoom, in person, it doesn't matter. Like just start. That's great, man. And I feel like... And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there's the reps who will say, hey, man, I'm not going to spend $9 on a Tony Robbins book that's going to teach me about wealth mastery. I'm not going to do that. The company can pay for it. And then you get the other side of the reps who go, I'm all in. Just tell me tell me where to go and I'm going to make it happen. So do you think that the mindset of investing in that acting class or doing that, do you think it's only reserved for the entrepreneurial salespeople or anybody in sales? This is actually the path that you need to take. Oh gosh. Great question. How do you do this at scale? Have fun with it. If you really want to make this applicable to every, yeah, cause I realize not everybody wakes up thinking about work, like 95 to 98% of people don't like they wake up and go, Oh, my life. And Oh yeah, I got to go do this work thing. Right. So how do you make it applicable to them? Have fun with it. It doesn't need to be a piece of software to have fun with it. It means sitting down and being like, no man, I like put more of yourself into it. Let's try it again. Invest in them, have them record it. Even if it's not there, like this guy, Jimmy, I talked about, like it was bad and I was kind of mm. cringing and he was cringing and we were like, oh man, like what is going on here? Cause he's way better than that. But watching like that metamorphosis of his journey of digging in and being like, oh, I'm struggling. And he came out of the other side, like his own self was mm. great because he was like, you know what? Mm. Damn it. I'm going to do me. And him was actually like the thing that he needed to do, which was tell a story that like he thought could have enough impact that he could get behind and tell with conviction that gave a shit about, and that that was the game changer, right? Now he's doing it on LinkedIn and this, his, his hold rate, his meeting hold rate <laughs> was a hundred percent this month. Wow. Nine of nine meetings showed why, because he has conviction because he's telling stories. And so he went from yes. like, I can barely book a meeting to, I can book meetings to, I can book meetings on any channel and get a hold rate of a hundred percent because he can tell stories. Awesome. Mm. He's in love with it now. He's just like all in. I love it, man. I love it. I get obsessed with this stuff. This is cool. So you've actually dipped nicely into the final few questions, I suppose, of your that I want to actually unlock and uncover in the final part of your framework, which is persuasion. So you just mentioned mm -hmm. that he's now got 100% show up, right? When yep. it comes to the persuasion element, is there a specific communication technique that somebody could use to get their prospect excited enough about the transformation they're going to receive on a demo that it increases the likelihood of a show up, right? Or increases the likelihood of them showing up rather? Yeah. The single technique, someone was talking about data the other day and they said, Steve, what's the biggest piece of data that you've used in your business that transformed it? I said, analog versus digital. We used voice because our show rate was suck. It was sucking, man. 
Our show right. rate was only 62%, which was embarrassing for an agency that's supposed to be the best, right? Just full transparency. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Customers yeah. were angry, right? Some were leaving. It was bad. We said, we got to get this up, right? And so we said, the one thing we're not asking at the end of the call, say, you know what? Before we get off, I appreciate you accepting the meeting. Number one, always get them to accept on the call next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Time. What about what we just talked about? Are you most interested or excited about for that meeting next Tuesday at 10? Tell me in your words. Mm. And if you can't, don't book the meeting or go, you know what? I get it. You're busy. You're a really nice person. Let's do this. Don't do it just to be nice to me. And then you probably go, you know what? Ah, sorry, I was just multitasking, booking my kid's doctor appointment. You know what? It was something about, uh, you know, it was the, the HIPAA compliance and the FinTech compliance piece. Under the, okay, great. You told me. I get it. We're on. Boom. Because now it matters to you. And so when I follow up in the email and introduce the rep, I can say, it matters to you because of this. Da, 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 da. And the day before, when I call you, I'm going to say, hey, how you doing? And by the way, don't forget, I remember this problem and that it affects you this way. And by the way, here's a video of the person that I told you about the story, or here's their LinkedIn profile. Connect with them on your own terms. Or by the way, I connected you anyways, because I was proactive on LinkedIn, dropped a voice note and said, hey, you two would get along well. Talk about your stories. Don't even tell me how it went. Like, oh my God, I'm trust building right up to the appointment. So by the time you get there, you've known everything about your story, how you see it, how you can see it from their perspective, another customer. And then we can have a discussion versus me pitching you about what it might be like if you did this. That's a different meeting. Completely different, man. And I love, again, I hope those of who are listening to this, those of you who are really listening to this would have understood there that once again, Stephen asked a question which required a story as a response, which created mm. the excitement again about them showing up to the meeting, which is so, so smart and super interesting. Now, what I want to round off with here is, is if there's a sales leader listening to this right now and they go, okay, mm -hmm. problem, proof, persuade. What is one thing that they could do mm -hmm. to drive the behavior of using this framework on mm -hmm. the next call for an SDR and doing it mm -hmm. in a way like you've just mentioned? Is there a specific KPI metric? Like what can somebody do to drive this type of behavior on a call using storytelling and effective communication? Number one, start with the metric of does everybody in your team understand the problem that your company solves, your solution? And it's okay because just start by asking them. But the thing is, do you understand it? Like if you don't understand it, then start there. And if you don't understand it, go to your boss and say, you know what? Hey, I'm kind of embarrassed right now, but I, I have this framework I'm going to try. Ultimately, I can't find us on Wikipedia because we're not there yet. What problem do we solve? Oh, and you know, by the way, that's what you should tell to your aunts and your uncles and your friends. Like when you go out and see people who like, what do you do for work? You're like, oh, this, this is what I do. I work with CEOs to make more money because we schedule appointments for software companies. Oh, cool. Way better than like, oh, we do revenue intelligence for top of funnel. What is that? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, what is that? Like, I have no idea. Like, oh, cool. Like, uh, I have no idea. So it's the same sort of concept. And like, if you can get everybody on the same page and just say, like, everybody now knows this is the problem we solve. And the impact of when it's solved looks like this. And by the way, we can get more complex and say, oh, by the way, when people don't solve it, it looks like this. Because one of my favorite things in a conversation when people push back is to go, you know what, Rob, what, what happens if you don't do this something about this? What does that look like? Uh oh, oh man. Yeah, like, yeah. Like now you're just like, give me, like we're just doing the discovery call. Like this is where it's beautiful because you're telling me like, oh, you know what? It looks like doom and gloom. It looks like I lose my job. It looks like, you know what? More of the same shit from the board where they come and pressure us at the end of the quarter. I don't get any budget. Nobody ever listens to me. And if I don't do this, man, I'm out of here. Cool. You got skin in the game, right? 
Mm. And once again, what you've just spoken about is asking a question which requires a story as a response, but they're now telling you the cost of their inaction, mm-hmm. which is super cool. They're now telling you the cost of their inaction. I love it, man. Ladies and gents, Stephen Schmidt with the problem, proof, and persuade framework. Man, I want to acknowledge you for one thing, which I think you do so well on LinkedIn. And I can once again imagine it's been another contributing factor to where you are now is your radical transparency with what you believe is working, what you believe isn't, how you think it should be implemented. And also, hey, we just did this. Like I saw a post from you the other day. Hey, it was a Friday. We generated six figures in sales. This is how we did it. You're actually teaching things that you're implementing daily, man. And I love it. I love it. But I'll tell you that actually, it poses a question of who do you look to? Like, who do you look to as somebody who's an effective communicator and storyteller that you learn from? Man, there's like two or three that always, I kind of get shit about it from people because I mentioned Chris Walker a lot. I'm just going to say Chris Walker and Refine Labs. Like what they've done to get people to start to even care about demand gen is awesome. Just Mm -hmm. because they've been such a good voice and advocate for like, let's break it down in simplest terms now. They also say like lead gen doesn't work a lot of times. So we're like, oh God, here we go. Like now we're... (laughs) Now we're battling back on like sales and marketing and da, da, da. Like, I think he's a really good storyteller. Chris, I think, you know, the company is Megan uh, is a good storyteller. I think that one of the better storytellers, I think that I've seen in a long time and has been for almost 10 years now is like Morgan Ingram, who's a voice for like Mm. SDRs and Morgan tells really, really good stories. And he has a great like way to like impact you. And then thirdly, I think Sam McKenna, like Sam is a wonderful writer. She's someone I follow like Sam sales and just like, we just had her on the podcast and she's just, she brings a rawness. Like she was one of these killer like sales leaders at LinkedIn and she just got really good at it. And, and just like watching like her thought leadership and just giving it away, like giving, 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 giving. And then I'll end with this. It's always the classics, like people like Paul Salamanca used to post a lot, not so much anymore. Uh, he's an OG, Josh Braun, John Barrow is good on the list. Scott Lees, Casey Jones. Like there's a lot of people who I've always followed and Jake Dunlap throwing that list. Like these people, Mackenzie Boley, she's my content writer. So like she would take this video, splice it up and we would write, man, like these people are good. And I honestly learned 50% of everything I do from watching people like that. And then putting myself in that shoes and going, what if I did the thing that they said, would that make my life or my business better? And I go, I bet it would. We should talk to them. Mm-hmm. By the way, SDRs, A's, whoever you are listening to this right now, the episode with Morgan Ingram was about a couple of episodes ago now. So you can take a listen to that on the influential communicator. But one thing I love that you mentioned regardless is they're all talking about stories, which add business value and are focused on how to make your life better. And speaking of how to make your life better, dude, tell us a little bit about how title can make the listeners lives better. And where can they learn a little bit more about title if they want to have their Mm -hmm. team, book more meetings and have a lot of it outsourced. Yeah. Title is a outsourced, lead gen company. We book meetings for service and software companies. We do that by essentially like doing all that work, getting the lead list, da, da, da. Uh, You know, we look at your existing funnel. We suppress what you're working with and not work with them. We develop your messaging, refine it, A-B test, deliver. We have a whole team that is that revenue intelligence team that then produces that and meets with you on a weekly basis. We just added a really cool software piece. I am so excited. By the time this comes out, this news will probably be there. But like we're merging with a SaaS company right now to bring one of the most innovative experiences on that side. So the customers can now get out of the black box of like what is happening in my outsourced engagement. Like it's going to be awesome. 
I think we do it for a fee that's like we have to earn it the old fashioned way, right? We have a performance model where people pay a lower cost. And then when we book meetings that you like, you pay us. And we're going right now from 30 SDRs to 150. And the next 60 days, our work is going to We're going to take over the whole damn world. So I'm so damn excited for what we're about to launch here. Any day now you're going to hear about, we're trying to create the best team sales community in the world. (laughs) 30 to 150, man. That is going to be good. That's going to be exciting. So ladies and gents, I'm going to leave the link to Tidal in the show notes. Also, Steve's LinkedIn profile. You can check out stories that he's sharing every day. Brother, thank you for your time. Ladies and gents, I'll see you next week for another episode. Same time, same place. Peace. Thank you. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first.